The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of the leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests had chosen their places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Thad. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you all this morning. Amen. I gave my sermon at 9 a.m., and I thought it was okay. And because preaching matters to me, and because also I'm a perfectionist, and because it's a rainy Sunday on a holiday weekend, I took a risk and hastily sketched out these notes for a new sermon between services. <laughs> so, unfortunately for you, it's not polished or finished, but fortunately for you, it's short. <laughs> So what you need to know about Jesus' culture when you read these verses is that it was based in honor and shame. Jesus lived in a desert, and water was a scarce resource, and honor was just like that too. There might not be enough to go around. It was limited. Not everyone could have it. So what happens when resources are scarce? People fight over them. All the time, there was this just ongoing, churning, um, agonistic battle for honor. It infected every relationship in society. Everyone had this drive to obtain it and stock up honor for themselves and family. And that meant that if you were given the opportunity to get some, you could willingly leave your friends and neighbors behind. It was worth that betrayal. So I don't live in first century Israel, obviously, so I don't know exactly what this is like, but I think the closest I've come to living it has come in my middle school cafeteria. And I remember seventh grade, we had two girls, Julie and Julia, and they somehow had the most social capital in the school. How in the world that happened, I don't know. Every time 
they would walk in the cafeteria, the whole place would just go silent. Everyone would watch them, and they would watch to see which table these two girls were going to sit at. And as soon as they started to sit down, it was like a mad rush to that table. Because there's only eight seats, right? So that means only six people are going to get them. Get that chance to eat with Julie and Julia. The rest of us, because I was always, I never had a seat at that table. <laughs> we would sit on the, the outside. So that is Jesus' cultural context. That is something that's going on in the background in all of his interactions in the Gospel of Luke. And what Luke shows us over and over again is that Jesus has no interest in playing this game. He has no interest in stocking up honor for himself, in competing for that scarce resource. It's almost like he knows he has honor that's coming from another place. So in a culture of honor and shame, Jesus bravely and consistently walks the path of shame, choosing to spend his time with the people seated at the edge of the middle school cafeteria, the sick, the poor, the lame, the demon-possessed, foreigners, even the Roman occupiers. Shame should be weighing him down. It should be really hard for him to do this, but Jesus continues merrily on. He doesn't let it throw him off his mission of announcing the nearness of God to us all. Well, today in these verses, we see him call the whole system into question. Scripture says that the guests at this dinner party were watching Jesus, but he's also watching them. And what he notices is how this quest for honor, it, how this competition has deprived these people of true life. Think about it. There are, are enough chairs for everyone in this banquet hall that Jesus is at. There is enough food for everyone. There are plenty of interesting, beloved people there gathered around. The situation calls for relaxing, for enjoyment, for celebration. But the drive for status, this need that we sometimes get to prove that we're better than someone else, that poisons this beautiful evening as Jesus watches the guests throw each other under the bus to sit at the places of honor in the table. What's more, Scripture tells us that this banquet happens on the Sabbath. Jesus remembers that this is a day of rest commanded by God. If you go back and read the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, you learn that God 
asks God's people to take this day of rest so that they can remember that they were once slaves in Egypt, but that God freed them by leading them through the waters. This is a day for remembering humble, even shameful origins and celebrating that God has gotten you through it and that God has gotten you through it together with all the people around you as one. If you're sitting with a bunch of former slaves, what have you got to prove, you know? These guests have forgotten the God who has freed them as they attempt to become important through distinctions of their own making. So Jesus calls them back to remember who this God is, who this living God who is near to them is. He calls them back to the God of freedom, inviting them to a new kind of table etiquette and a new kind of guest list. Take the low seats at the table, he says, even though it's not going to help you in your social networking. Invite the people, he says, who will not be able to advance your dreams and ambitions. Have a feast, Jesus says, that shows a trust that God is near to you and that God's will to free you is enough. Jesus tells us that all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And when Jesus is talking about humility today, he's not saying, make yourself meek. He's saying, remember where you come from. Remember who it is that God has freed you with. Remember that God did not put you on this earth alone. God created all of us together. Humility to Jesus is not being ashamed to share a table with any other human being. It's seeing ourselves as in community with one another, as connected to others in the world, as knowing that distinctions in the world do not matter as much as God's mighty love for us all. We still live in a world of honor and shame, of distinctions, of cool kids' tables, where there don't seem to be seats enough for all. So, until that day, where God makes it so that there are no distinctions between us, Jesus asks those of us who dare to follow him to take our place at the low end of the table rather than the high one, to choose the seats of shame over honor. The fine produce and the rich meat might never make it down that way, but at that end of the table, there is still simple bread and wine. And as you know, that's all God needs to throw a party.
a feast of life. We rest together in God's presence as equals, knowing that God revealed in Jesus is the same God who freed the Israelites through the waters. And that God also has freed you through the waters, the waters of your baptism, simple, humble waters, waters that connect you, waters that call you, waters that claim you for this work of, of testifying to God's mercy and dignity through your whole life. When we share this sign of baptism, when we bless each other with the sign of the cross, we say, you belong to Jesus. And what we mean by saying that is that there are also some things that you don't belong to. You do not belong to your quest for status. You do not belong to the rejection you've received. You do not belong to voices that tell you you must be bigger than or better than who you are already. You belong to Jesus. Jesus has freed us and Jesus has connected us. And that is the one to whom you belong. Praise be to God. Amen.